Hi, I'm Kelsey Zeiser. Welcome to What's His Story, a short podcast from Light Reading, where we take a step back from the most significant topics in telecom to tell you the latest news, how we got here, what it all means, and what to expect next. Today, I'm talking with Light Reading's Phil Harvey about the 20th annual State of the Net event. Phil is on site in Washington, D.C., covering the event, which includes speakers from the White House, FCC, NTIA, and more. Among the front of mind topics discussed at the event are the need for online privacy, the importance of regulation for artificial intelligence, and how to provide more affordable and reliable internet access to underserved areas. Hi, Phil. Welcome to What's the Story? Good to see you. Good to see you as well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Uh, well, actually, you are in D.C. at the State of the Net event. <laughs> here virtually, yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, as usual, it's not like we live in the same place. But uh, <laughs> anywho, um, so it is America's premier Internet policy series uh, yes, going on indeed. in D.C. right now. And it's the 20th one. Uh, it looks like the agenda is really interesting. There's definitely a lot around A.I., uh, we were talking offline a bit about Open RAN. So, what are what are some of the um, discussions that are standing out to you? Yeah, it, it's it, it, it's interesting because it's a, yeah, it's the, definitely this intersection of policy and technology. And um, we're steps from the White House, so we've had speakers from the White House, uh, the FCC, Congress, and. Yeah, AI is a, a a big discussion point here, and and I think online privacy is too, because Congress really hasn't done anything to um, give people the confidence that they can be secure and that their data is protected online. Um, you know, so that's that's one of the big things. The con- Congress has really let us down as a as as you know U.S. citizens in terms of how it's um, not really put out, you know, laws, um, safeguarding our privacy online. Um, it's in, in a lot of cases, it's sort of yielded to, uh, lobbyists and corporations and what they prefer to do. And, you know, and occasionally it'll put pressure on them to do the right thing, but it doesn't actually have, you know, but there's no laws on the books that kind of like force them to, and the regulate, you know, where, how much regulation, we need and when we need it is a huge issue with AI. So I think that's, you know, why the, there's such a heightened interest in this conference. Um, you know, um, Alan Davidson, who's the administrator of the NTIA, um, you know, said that, you know, AI is going to transform huge sectors of the economy, but um, it's so, you, you know, but the, the risk that's involved in AI needs to be managed and, he actually put forth that in order to keep AI safe for everybody, there needs to be like this um, government auditing approach. So there needs to be like what he said, what he called an army of auditors um, to ensure the safety of uh, AI products and where they're getting their data and how it's being used online. Um, and, you know, and he, but he's also at the same time <laughs> in favor of, you know, trying to figure out how to open up AI models for wider use. In other words, um, once these AI uh, large language models have been established and used by for-profit companies, how can we make it so that we open these up for more research and development, like at the university level and and nonprofits and other 
uh, places. Um, how do we both open up these incredibly powerful models, but also protect the safety and the security, um, you know, of the technology itself, but also to keep that data from being used against us or falling into the wrong hands. So there's some pretty, you know, pretty, I, I mean, major systemic, you know, quality of life kind of issues that are being talked about here. And it's, inter it, it's, it's part of the reason that this conference has such a, um, uh, you know, kind of an overflow of attendees. I mean, it's absolutely packed here. All the, all the corridors are packed. It's, it's actually really hard to move around and I'm having to give up this uh, little phone booth that I'm in in the next uh, couple of minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're going to start hearing knocking and <laughs> glass. Breaking, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, hopefully, hopefully not the latter. But um, Army of Auditors is is pretty interesting. Um, and yeah, I definitely think there needs to be um, some set regulation uh, for AI. And uh, I mean, it's good to see that they're taking it seriously, because it's all over the agenda. <laughs> it's like every other session yeah. is on AI. <laughs> Well, and not and, and what's interesting is it's it it is a lot around, you know, um, I mean, because the, the weird thing about AI is that it's mostly built off of, at, in my opinion, as a creative person who creates things, I think most AI right now is built off the back of content theft, you know. And so people are stealing our words. They're stealing our published uh, material. They're using it without our permission. We're never going to get compensated for the things that they're training their AI models to do and the pictures that they're using and they're training their AI models on. And so how do how do we let this happen and then, you know, face the fact that that these things could either be used against us or used to, um, you know, basically sell us stuff as consumers down the road, you know, and kind of, uh, uh, you know, and we're, we're never... A, we're never going to see any money from it, but also it's going to make, um, you know, dealing with businesses, uh, uh, I don't know, you know, maybe easier because they're, they're, they're going to be geared towards selling, but is it, is it necessarily going to be used in the right ways? In other words, to make, uh, um, you know, to truly transform the economy and not just make the big companies bigger. You know, <laughs> because yeah, it's like, you know, sure. with, a, with a vibrant, healthy economy, you need everybody participating, not just a handful of gigantic firms that can't possibly be regulated. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it it's the it's a very um, uh, thorny issue. But, you know, for for folks in the telecom industry, um, this conference is is bringing up a lot of things that I think we're going to continue to talk about in the telecom industry for years to come, which is, you know, affordable access. Um, mm -hmm. reliable access and then network reliability, um, you know, not just uh, being able to provide an internet connection is one thing, but it needs to be the right kind of internet connection suitable for the job. And, you know, um, uh, Professor Nick Feimster, who uh, is at the University of Chicago, we've been a guest on this podcast uh, many times. Um, you know, he's, he's here speaking about that. Um, I'll cover his uh, segment later, or we can maybe have him back on the podcast, but he's, um, he's talking about how, you know, uh, providing, you know, an online connection is one thing, but we need to find ways to do, get better data about what's the quality of that online connection and how does that online connection quality compare to the application that's needed? Because if you, if you give, uh, you know, as, as, 
if you tick a box as a telco and say, we provided affordable um, internet access to this neighborhood, but all the kids in that neighborhood, you know, during a pandemic or, or while they're homesick or something like that, are being required to do, um, uh, you know, video conferencing via Zoom in order to learn, and they can't get a reliable video stream because of the quality of their internet connection, then you've really done nothing at all. And um, and so so folks like uh, you know Nick are looking into um, a ways to measure that and to make it more reportable, and b you know ways to kind of get that part get that network reliability back into the conversation. It's not just speeds and feeds. It's not just megabits downloaded. It's um, what's the application doing and how well is it able to do it on that network? And so that has everything to do with latency and everything else. And then like, you know, um, like Alan Davidson at the NTIA was talking about this morning, you know, affordability is also the, the big, uh, key there as well. So if you pass homes, that's one thing, but making internet access truly affordable, um, and with the, uh, affordable, uh, uh, connectivity program. Uh, expiring, uh, and and we're worried now that it's going to run out of money by May, unless Congress does something. Um, so he he addressed that. I wrote that up for light reading, uh, but he he addressed that as well and said that you know that the ACP is incredibly an incredibly important tool in you know the ability to make internet access affordable. If we can't make it affordable, then we're not going to do a very good job of keeping everybody connected, and the digital divide problem isn't really going to get. Um, you know, solved to the degree that we need it to be. Uh, mm -hmm. And then to kind of tie it all together, you know, if people are, if people are feeling alienated from AI and the things that are happening, you know, in that part of the economy, um, if they're not able to afford internet access, then as a nation, we're not going to be, um, we're not going to have as strong as an, of an economy as we could have. We're not going to have as many people participating in that economy as we could have. And I think that's what, um, you know, kind of stretches across all these topics is, um, you know, we need to make sure we have the right policy in place at the right time. We don't want to over-regulate everybody, but we also, you know, to date, we've kind of been under-regulating the tech industry and we definitely need to address that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we can um, link to, um, you know, you mentioned Nick Feimster's uh, work, his internet equity research initiative. Uh, we've spoken with him before about how they're uh, kind of mapping out uh, what the, what the digital divide looks like. Um, and mm -hmm. they've, they've done a lot of work in the Chicago area, uh, which makes sense since he's with the university of Chicago. Um, yes. But yeah, it sounds like that's a, a really good uh, start to the day to discuss the digital divide and what kind of changes need to be made there um, to kind of move the needle in the right direction. And that's a really good point about, uh, you know, not just affordability, but reliability. And then also, is it the, the right type of access um, for people, depending on what what their use case is? Are they... Uh, you know, trying to get schoolwork done? Is this for a small business? Um, like what their specific needs are? Uh, is there anything in the afternoon that you're looking forward to? Any other speakers? Um, I mean, it looks like they've got the US um, CTO, CIO yeah. office, a lot of really yeah, high level and speakers. In the afternoon, there. we're definitely going to hear from, uh, you know, 
more folks from the Biden administration, you know, the, the current government looking at, um, you know, different, uh, you know, talking about all kinds of policy issues and, and, and also U.S. trade policy. I mean, I think the other um, the other thing here is that, uh, you know, we need to know, um, you know, th this affects the U.S. standing in the world. You know, if we're if we're declaring that, uh, for instance, that Chinese vendors like Huawei and ZTE are not um, are are not cool to be building our internet infrastructure, and yet we're allowing a Chinese-owned social media <laughs> company, TikTok, to not only sponsor this conference, but also, um, you know, captivate our youth and, you know, millions of people uh, in the U.S. with, uh, you know, who are kind of always freely giving it data. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of a... Um, I don't know. In my mind, that doesn't make sense, you know, to to um, uh, and, and it does put us on a on a puts us in a weird posture with regard to the rest of the world when it comes to, you know, U.S. trade. Um, uh, there's also, uh, you know, FCC Commissioner uh, Anna Gomez is also going to be speaking this afternoon. So I'm, I'm interested to hear, um, you know, what she's, um, you know, what she's on fire about, you know, what her sort of policy uh, uh, agenda items are. Um, but yeah, the, the TikTok thing is, is kind of looming large here because it's interesting that, uh, you know, there's such a big uh, a disconnect in what we'll allow as consumers and what we'll tolerate as, as policy, because I, I just wanted to bring up a couple of quick things, which is, you know, um, and Alan Davidson uh, from the NTIA confirmed this still that the Biden administration you know, still has its ban on TikTok. Uh, on government phones, you know, nobody in the federal government is allowed to have TikTok on their government devices because the, you know, the, they're, they're very concerned about the security of any data that gets used by that app. And yet at the same time, TikTok is so insanely popular that the, uh, the campaign to reelect Joe Biden as president is using TikTok to reach out to voters. <laughs> uh, obviously not on government phones, so but confusing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but you know that, that and and that's where I, I think that I think that example in a nutshell kind of sums up where we are. It's like you know we know that these things are popular worldwide. That they, that you know technologies like AI are definitely the future. It's stuff we have to use. But you know the policies that we would prefer to live by and the kind of the uh, you know the the rules as they are right now. Don't really, um, uh, don't really, I guess, um, seamlessly incorporate. You know, how do we, how do we use these things and also maintain, you know, a, a, the right amount of regulation as we're doing so. You know, to keep us safe online, to protect our privacy, to protect our data, and also to, you know, prevent uh, things like hacking and stuff like that. You know, from happening from you know rogue states or whatever it is everybody's afraid of. Right. Yeah. It's definitely a tough balance between, um, you know, uh, the freedom of speech and, and letting people utilize um, whatever social media they're interested in, I suppose. But at yeah. the same time, yeah. protecting their information because some folks might not realize. And I mean, we, we still probably don't know the extent of what what is happening with all that information that you're kind of handing over. Um, yeah. And that's what's interesting is, I, is, you know, we're giving these companies a voice when it comes to commerce, you know, like none of the, the nonprofit that's putting this uh, little shindig on, you know, they, they certainly took their money. Um, but, 
but it, does that give them, you know, so they are getting their speech across. They are getting to say what they want. They are getting to influence people and lobbyists are the same way. You know, the telecom industry has tons of lobbyists down on K street, you know, just a few, a uh, few stops over from where I'm at. And, uh, you know, they're actively, uh, pushing back against, um, you know, things like, uh, regulations around open ran while at the same time accepting money for uh, uh for new test beds so that they can uh be the carrier of choice to test open ran equipment <laughs> so it's you know it's a thing that they don't want in their prof you know in their lives as a profitable carrier but it's a thing that they'll turn around and um you know and continue to uh accept money for if if it's you know, if it's funding that they can use to, uh, uh, you know, build better services and things like that. So, yeah, mm -hmm. it's 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 all politics. And I think that's what's what's interesting about this stuff in the technology industry. We're used to just things being a little more black and white. But I think in the um, especially with things like AI in the in the future um, and the evolving state of the, you know, uh, telecom regulation, um, we're all going to have to get a lot more well-versed in the politics of technology, um, you know, because that's going to be kind of the, the star of the show a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And as we wrap up, um, has there been discussion about um, plans for bead funding, or do you think that's something that'll probably come up later when Anna Gomez is um, speaking something in the afternoon? Yeah. Bead funding is definitely on the, um, uh, on the agenda here, um, I have not sat through a bead funding panel just yet. I know there was one in one of the breakout rooms while I was busy mm -hmm. um, talking to folks in the corridor. It's kind of a chaotic place here because it's it's a little yeah. bit overcrowded, and there's some really good networking opportunities. But they're also having. I was gonna like, say that's where all the good conversations happen is when you can. Yeah, grab exactly. While they're on their way to coffee. <laughs> And they're having these, they're having these, you know, breakout sessions that are kind of happening, happening concurrently. So there's physically no way to get to them all. Um, so, so yeah, there's, there's definitely some bead stuff happening. I'm going to have to catch up with some of it. And, um, and, and I'm hoping to hear, you know, from, uh, uh, from Commissioner Gomez and others this afternoon, uh, you know, about, about uh, the state of bead funding efforts. But, um, but yeah, that's part of it, you know, getting the money that the Biden administration has, has earmarked for, um, you know, for broadband uh, to, to, you know, connect every American with broadband, getting that money from, uh, you know, from the federal government to the state governments and then having the state governments, um, you know, apply it to just the right, you know, scenarios so that uh, so that their citizens can can be connected in just the right way. It's also something I think is going to, you know, we can talk about the big picture stuff here in the kind of the big political uh, thing. But I think where this stuff gets settled is state by state, county by county. So I think, mm -hmm. you know, folks listening to this definitely sign up, you know, here comes a plug, get ready. You definitely got to sign up for our broadband weekly newsletter because that's where we're covering this, you know, every little move that happens in this space. And collectively over time, you know, you'll see that. Um, that this is being treated, uh, you know, quite differently as you, you know, going state by state, depending on what government they have in place. So, um, so, you know, a lot of people will get funding, a lot of people will get connected by this program, but, um, but how that happens is definitely uh, up for grabs and, and a story yet to be written. So definitely sign up for the broadband weekly uh, newsletter. 
Yeah. Well, I think that's a great place to leave it. Uh, Phil, thanks so much for the update and look forward to um, uh, some more updates coming from the State of the Net event and hope you stay caffeinated. <laughs> yes, I certainly will. And I'm, I'm going to work on that and also uh, uh, getting a sandwich right now, because that's another thing that uh, we ha- uh, that, it, that is not uh, there's not enough regulation around when I get to have lunch. And so we need to <laughs> we need to work on that. Have a good one. Thanks, Kelsey. Okay, thanks. Bye. Thank you so much, Phil, for taking the time to talk today. And thank you to our amazing producer, Pierre Landrio, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more interviews and insights from the team. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.